0: Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. We are proud to have Microdose sponsoring our mission. As we depart on a West Coast tour this spring, we know that we will see a lot of options out there, but we are always impressed by the consistency provided by Microdose we always know how we will feel. They are perfect to ease the stress of flying, correcting jet lag, or relaxing after a long day of meetings and recording. Microdose gummies are made using the highest quality organic ingredients possible. They are vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and infused with organ-grown berries. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code Mandy. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com promo code Mandy for 30% off and free shipping. microdose.com
1: promo code Mandy. You know, that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere online in store on social media and beyond. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash crimes, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash crimes to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash crimes. I don't
0: know how high up the corruption in this case goes. But a recently released deposition has revealed troubling accusations about a powerful judge who was at the helm of criminal and civil procedures in the Low Country. If her involvement in the Gloria Satterfield case was as intentional as depositions say, then the South Carolina justice system, where judges are pretty much untouchable, has a huge problem on its hands. My name is Mandy Matney. I've been investigating the Murdoch Family for more than three years now. This is the Murdoch Murders Podcast with David Moses and Liz Farrell. <music> There are still so many unanswered questions about the Gloria Satterfield settlement, particularly considering that Alec Murdoch right now is the only person who has faced criminal charges in the scheme to steal millions of dollars from Gloria's family after she died following an alleged trip-and-fall accident on the Murdoch's hunting property in 2018. For a quick recap, there were several glaring issues with the court documents that attorney Eric Bland discussed. Back in October, when he was first trying to find answers as to why Gloria's sons never received a dime of the multi million dollar wrongful death settlement for their mother's death. The court documents were full of red flags, which we will discuss later in this podcast. But Judge Carmen Mullen apparently signed these documents anyways, which paved a much easier path for Alec to steal millions of dollars from the Satterfield family who desperately needed the money. Some of the biggest questions in the Satterfield case revolve around Judge Carmen Mullen. If she signed off on a document with so much potential for fraud as a favor to a family, one of whom is now implicated in dozens of crimes. What else would she do? This is a woman who decides which people in South Carolina get their freedom taken away, and for how long. She decides if violent criminals should get bail or not. She has a tremendous amount of power. And if she is corrupt, then we have a huge problem on our hands. A problem that needs to be corrected immediately before further harm is done. When a judge is corrupt, It's not the powerful movers and shakers who suffer. It's society's most vulnerable. It's people like the Satterfields. Frankly, Mullen's alleged role in the Satterfield settlement is one of the biggest reasons why this story matters. Why this story isn't a typical true crime story. Why so many of us on the right side of this have dedicated years of our lives to this case. Because the tentacles in this case stretch far and wide up to the most powerful, untouchable people in South Carolina, circuit judges. The thing is that South Carolina's archaic system for electing these judges feeds the beast of corruption and keeps them safe from the consequences of their own actions. Attorney Eric Bland knows this, which is why he never stopped on his quest to find answers.
2: I got uh, a lot of pressure from a lot of different places to withdraw her notes. And I did. And, you know, I got answers. Never really got the full answers because I never had anybody under oath, but I did not expect Chad to say what he said about Judge Mullin, And my head was spinning.
3: In late February, Eric Bland deposed Chad Westendorf, the Palmetto State Bank Vice President who for some reason was appointed as the personal representative for Gloria Satterfield's estate. Westendorf was paid $30,000 for his role. He was supposed to represent the best interests of the family, which he obviously failed at. Unlike his boss, Russell Defeat, who is the CEO of Palmetto State Bank, Westendorf does not appear to be facing many consequences for his questionable role in the Satterfield heist. He still works at the bank and appears to be cooperating with attorneys and both federal and state investigators. In his deposition with Eric, he said he has already testified for the state grand jury. When the Satterfield heist was exposed in the media last fall, Westendorf mailed Eric Bland a check for $30,000, obviously to pay the Satterfields back, and he was immediately dismissed from their lawsuit. Months later, Westendorf agreed to be deposed by Eric Bland, Ronnie Richter, and Scott Mangillo, and sat for a film deposition on February 22nd. He did not plead the fifth one time during the three-hour deposition. A quick note about this deposition. A few of our sources have questioned the motive behind it. Like we said, Westendorf was no longer part of the case, neither was Corey, and Ellick is confessing judgment. The only defendant left is Eddie Smith, who had nothing to do with the execution of the settlement. In other reports about the deposition, Westendorf's attorney explained his participation as a way to clear his name which makes sense. There's something we need to keep in the back of our minds though. How much involvement did Alec Murdoch's team have in making this deposition happen? How much of this is part of a long game in getting Alec's case moved to federal court? The deposition is very damaging to Judge Carmen Mullen, but without it, we most certainly would not have known about her alleged role in this. And it's important that it's out there even if it's part of a plan for Alex' team to argue their way into a better plea deal at a nicer prison than the ones we have here.
2: I really think, one, he wants to clean his soul, and two, he wants to make sure that um, he's telling his story consistently and publicly. You know, was he lying? Uh, I, I I can't say that somebody doesn't lie, but I will tell you this, as far as the go, I found him to be incredibly Incredible.
3: Fitznews exclusively obtained the transcripts from that deposition. This is our first look at a firsthand account into the Satterfield heist. And before we get into it, it's important to note that Westendorf's testimony in this deposition and to the state grand jury is sworn. He risks state and federal imprisonment if it's determined that he lied during any part of the investigation. And then,
2: you know, he's got that hammer over his head. Because he already testified in front of a grand jury and he's given written statements and verbal uh, interviews to federal and state officials, if he was the lie in my deposition, which is under oath, he gets nailed for a 1001 uh, lying to federal officials or, and a perjury trap, which is what, you know, ensnarled um, Martha Stewart. So I, I, I kind of figured that once he said, I'm not taking the fifth,
3: The first question the deposition answers for us is what prompted Murdoch to seek help from Chad Westendorf in the first place.
4: Do you remember the date that you were approached by Alec to become PR? I want to
5: say it was November the 21st. I I know it was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Okay. Because I was in the mountains with my family, and he called me. He called you on the phone? Yes, sir.
4: And he had your number? Yes, sir. Did he have your number because you guys were friends or because you
5: were a banker? I would say it would be more friends cuz I, I didn't bank him. Okay. So, how did you know him? Grew up around him and
4: just been in the town. Would you call him a friend? I yeah. Did you socialize with him? No. Okay. I mean, and does your wife have any relationship to him at all? No. Okay.
0: In deposition, Eric Bland referred to Westendorf as well-regarded in the Hampton community. He's not only the vice president of Palmetto State Bank, he's also the president of Independent Banks of South Carolina. Throughout Eric's questioning, Chad Westendorf maintained that he was totally ignorant when it came to his role in the scheme. He presented himself like an airhead, incapable of basic logic, which is interesting given his powerful position at the bank.
4: Okay. Okay. What was your job SPR? pr tell me what you were supposed to do i don't know were you supposed to um be just in, in name only or did you have actual affirmative duties you don't know i don't know I, I was i mean my first
5: meeting with corey i asked what i needed to do as personal representative did i need to oh and what he did he tell some you guidance. he said nothing at this moment i'll take care of it but and i asked Specifically about opening an account, did I need to open an account? Did it need to have an estate account? And he said, "I not not
4: at this time." So, when you accepted to become PR, and before you actually got approved, there was a gap in time. Yes, sir. You didn't educate yourself on what the claims were when I
5: accepted initially. I, I wasn't aware of what the case was, and I was after I accepted. Then I was told what the case was, but. The, From that point forward, no. A
4: little taken back that you would accept becoming a PR for a a claim and not really understand what the claim would be. Did you find it strange that Alec was the one that was asking you to be the PR when he was the, quote, uh, target defendant? There hadn't been litigation started, so there was a claim. You understand the difference between a claim and litigation? Uh, No. Okay.
0: At one point, Bland asked Wessendorf if he understood what the word fiduciary meant.
4: Did you understand that, um, as a personal representative, that you were a fiduciary? Do you understand the term fiduciary? I did not. Okay. Do you understand it now? Not really. Okay. Um, that you owed duties not only to the estate, who you were a personal representative for, right? Yes, sir. But did you realize that you were an officer of the court? Did you realize that? I did not.
3: I guess we now know why Chad was chosen by Alec, who, as you'll remember from our Jailhouse Calls episode, is likewise challenged by occupational vocabulary. Just to put it on the record, a fiduciary is a person who holds a legal or ethical relationship of trust with one or more parties, typically as it relates to the care of money or assets. When we talk about how the Murdochs have held power over this part of South Carolina for more than 100 years, we're not just talking about them or their actions. Thousands of people had to help them get to where they were at the time of the boat crash and the murders. And those people aren't necessarily evil, they're just trained. In Hampton County especially, life is easier and more manageable if you don't question a Murdoch. Chad Westendorf was a good soldier for Murdoch. He didn't ask any questions and he didn't exercise a single bit of intellectual curiosity. He simply got asked to do something, and he did it. We'll be right back.
0: Hey, True Sunlight listeners. I'm here to tell you there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. You can now use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and on any occasion. There is a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for David, and sometimes I get super stressed trying to find that perfect thing. But now, with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. I actually found a ceramic shark serving tray for the sushi lover in my life who had almost everything he needed for the perfect sushi night. Almost. Another really cool thing, Etsy is a marketplace, not a seller, retailer, or manufacturer of goods. Entrepreneurship is very important to us, and we are proud to support the independent sellers and shops on Etsy. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. As y'all know, we're out on the West Coast connecting with fans, meeting with partners, and having a little fun too. All the planes, trains, and automobiles can be stressful, but do you know what's going to keep me comfy and confident along the way? You guessed it, Viore. And Viore makes a fantastic gift for the people in your life who deserve the most comfortable and versatile clothing. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at Viori.com Mandy. That's vuor dot slash Mandy. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to Viori.com Mandy and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. What was odd is that while Wessendorf appeared to have zero concerns about his duties to the Satterfields in his role as PR, he apparently had the wits about him to worry about his own financial liability in the case.
4: Did you ever have any concerns about the duties, what your duties were or what you were supposed to be doing or you were more reactive and Corey Fleming would ask you to or tell you to do something? Prior to accepting, I had some concerns
5: about what what liability I would have for cr- from creditors. That was my main question. I asked if if there was any personal back on me. Who'd you it. ask
4: that of? Alec. And uh, what did Alec
5: tell you? He said they wouldn't. There wasn't a, any problem. It did you come back Did you me.
4: wonder whether you had to have like a bond or an insurance? Or I any... did not. Okay. And so your main concern was what liability you may have to the creditors. Sure. And who were the creditors? Do you remember? I don't know.
0: Also worth noting, Westendorf didn't appear to know much at all about Gloria's 2018 death.
4: Did you ever find out who Gloria was when you became her PR? Did you know that she was the housekeeper? Yes. Did you know that she had died? Yes. Did you know she had died at the Mazzell property? Yes. Who told you all that? Alec. Alec did. Okay. Did he tell you what did he tell you about her death? That that she had a fall with his dog. His dog. Dog or dogs? Okay. Um, and that she hit her her head and then and spent
5: some time in the hospital and then she passed passed away away from the injuries.
0: So there are several inconsistencies about Gloria Satterfield's death that are still a mystery. Like why did Ellick's insurance companies pay millions of dollars for wrongful death when Gloria's death certificate incorrectly stated that she died of natural causes? And why was Gloria's family told that she fell at the Murdoch's Hampton County home when she fell at Moselle in Colleton County? And how were they able to pull off a multi-million dollar settlement so quickly with no litigation? We asked Eric about this.
2: In most, in most other counties, I agree that she had $600,000 in medical bills. But in most other counties, if you got $1.8 million or $2 million, you would really have hung the moon. At $4.3 million, I'm tipping my hat to Corey Fleming. I will tell you this. Every single thing that lawyer did in this case was wrong. Every single thing, except somehow he convinced the insurance companies to pay 4.3 million that's the one right thing he did
0: westendorf said that he spoke with both ellick and corey fleming who were both on opposing sides of the settlement as he was becoming the personal representative of the estate however he apparently didn't think that was weird
4: did that strike you as curious that the target defendant was having discussions with you instead of the plaintiff not really. All right. Why didn't that? Why didn't you find that strange? Did you Did you think that everybody had a unity of interest?
5: No, but I thought he was helping the kids out. That's what he claimed to be doing. He was helping the boys. Doing what? How to help? Get, getting them fun money to do what? Because they lost their mother.
3: So the question we have had in reading this deposition is this. Were there two crimes? One, a case of noble corruption, and the other, plain old theft? Did Corey and Chad think they were doing unorthodox things in the name of doing something kind? Why would, quote, helping the boys require so much willful ignorance and subverting the normal course of civil procedure? Or is it just another example of Alec's good old boy mentality where it's okay to do things unethical and illegal in the name of helping out a friend? During deposition, Westendorf admitted
0: that he never once spoke to either of the Satterfield boys. Several times, he said that Corey told him that he was handling everything. And altogether, Westendorf collected a $30,000 fee for very little work. He said he signed a couple documents, appeared before a judge twice, and participated in a couple phone calls. $30,000 is a lot of money in a place like Hampton County, South Carolina, where the median household income is $33,000 a year. And according to South Carolina law, a personal representative can only take up to 5% of a person's estate. Gloria Satterfield's estate was only $50,000, which means Wessendorf should have been paid no more than $2,500 for his work as PR. Mullen should have caught this, among several other glaring red flags. Which brings us to Judge Carmen Mullen and the biggest bombshells revealed in this deposition. Westendorf's testimony shows just how unorthodox this wrongful death settlement was and how many red flags there were to alert Carmen Mullen to the fact that something bad was happening right in front of her eyes. As a reminder, this settlement was never litigated. The reason why we point this out is because the case didn't require the level of work required in a lawsuit. The settlement came after a few letters, phone calls, and a mediation hearing. There were four sheets of paper produced in this case. Now, a $4.3 million settlement is great but very high given the facts of the case and how very little work was required of Corey Fleming. According to Westendorf's testimony, Mullen knew that the caption had been removed from the case. The caption is the part of the case that contains the names of the parties. Wessendorf indicates that Mullen was aware that Ellick's name was removed from the caption, which for all other lawyers in this state would require a judge's order. In Westendorf's testimony, it is clear that Mullen never scrutinized the documents presented to her, nor did she verify with Westendorf that he was aware of the circumstances of the agreement and okay with the settlement. In another red flag that was there to alert Mullen to wrongdoing is one that we haven't even discussed before. Ellick's attorneys who represented the insurance company weren't even present for the hearing. If what Westendorf says is true, that means that an entire human being wasn't there, and Mullen seems to have overlooked that.
2: 100% of the time, there isn't a defense attorney that you would talk to that would let the plaintiff's attorney go meet with the judge to get approval on a settlement. More importantly, I did find out that John Grantland, who was Alex's attorney appointed by Nautilus Insurance Company, was en route, and they went forward with the hearing while he was en route.
0: Judge Carmen Mullen should have never okayed the settlement, given the information on the papers that were right in front of her. It's been questioned whether or not her signature was forged or if she had been duped by Ellick and Corey. But in deposition... Westendorf dropped a bombshell that should absolutely ring alarm bells of everyone concerned about the South Carolina justice system. According to Westendorf, Corey Fleming, the plaintiff, asked Judge Mullen to sign off on the settlement while keeping Ellick's name, who is the defendant, off the books. Mullen should have never signed the documents to begin with, but if Corey Fleming really did ask her to keep the settlement that was already sketchy off of the public record, Mullen should have absolutely used her power to stop this massive thievery right there and then. This was in 2019. If Mullen was really doing her job, Mullen would have not only said no to signing the documents, but she would have reported Corey and Alec for inappropriate and seemingly unethical behavior.
4: Ever hear that discussion, that the reason Alex's name was being taken off that caption was he didn't want Mark Tinsley, who was suing him, suing his son, for the Mallory Beach boating accident, he didn't want anybody to find out of public record that this kind of money was being paid from his homeowner's insurance carrier. The
5: only time I heard that
4: was... was in Chambers. In Chambers, yes. At the Second Settlement yes, Conference. Yes, And, and Alec wasn't even there. He wasn't there. Okay. And that was said to Judge Mullin, From Corey, yes sir. And Judge Mullen says, I understand. I understand. And Judge Mullen, did you know, had recused herself a month before from the BUI lawsuit, BUI meaning voting under the influence, that I'm gonna show you an order that a month before you had your hearing, she recused herself from hearing anything having to do with Alex Murdoch and Mallory Beach's death. I did not. Did she discuss that to you? Did she say to you, Mr. Westendorf, you're the PR for this estate, and I need to disclose to you that I have recused myself one month before from having to do anything with Alex Murdoch and the, and the Mallory Beach death. I'm no, sorry. Okay.
0: Eric had something to say about this when we spoke after the deposition.
2: So, you know, the last thing on anybody's mind was that somebody would lie to Judge Mullen, and that's appeared what happened until Chad started talking. And so when Chad started talking, I started to ask him, well, what inquiry did did Judge Mullen make when Corey presented the request to approve the settlement of $3.8 million? He said, I don't recall anything. I said, well, did she ask you as the personal representative, are you satisfied with this settlement? Are you satisfied that your attorneys have tried to recover as much money as possible? He said, no. I said, did she ask you whether you were being pressured to agree to this settlement? He said, no. I said, did she say to you, do you think that there should be a higher value uh, of pain for the death of Gloria Satterfield? He said, no. And so I said, well, what happened in the hearing? He said, well, it's more pretty quick, you know, She didn't really ask the right questions to approve that settlement. These are rules that are designed to protect the clients first, but also protect the lawyers. They're protected. They have a court order. They can disperse. None of the rules were followed here. None. The rules are written that we trust everybody except the devil inside of everybody. If everybody follows the rules, you could be the devil, but you aren't going to be able to steal.
0: According to Westendorf, Mullen readily and openly agreed to keep the settlement from being filed with the court because of publicity from the 2019 boat crash that killed Mallory Beach. And we'll be right back.
3: Why would a legitimate claim and a legitimate trip and fall accident that happened under legitimate circumstances be something to hide from the public? Why would a legitimate settlement to compensate the loved ones of a deceased person be something to hide? Also, Paul had already been charged at this point, so basically Mullen was agreeing to help keep secrets for someone who was accused of felonies related to a fatality that came as a result of his reckless and illegal behavior. Even if everything else had checked out about the settlement, Carmen Mullen apparently agreed to do something that would help Paul's family over Mallory's family. There was only one reason to have kept this from the public eye, and that was because they were doing something wrong.
0: Around the same time Mullen signed the secret agreement, she also recused herself from the boat crash case due to our relationship with the Murdoch family. So in April, Mullen is telling the public, "'I'm an honorable judge who recognizes that my decisions could be seen as impartial when it comes to this family.'" But in May, basically she's saying to the Murdochs, "'Shh, close the door, hand me that pen.'"
4: So I'm showing you exhibit number 20. This is where Judge Mullen on April, um, I think it was 4th. Yeah, April 4th or April 10th, excuse me. She recused herself, Judge Mullen has recused herself from hearing all matters related to this case and forwarded the justice for reassignment. And so this is the Mallory Beach case versus Gregory Parker and ETAL means that there's other defendants. And you were unaware of that when you went into that hearing. Yes, so when sir. you went into the hearing on um, <coughs> excuse me April 13th, it was just you, Corey. May 13th. May 13th, yes. you and Corey. Yes, sir, and Judge Mullen. And Judge Mullen. And again, that was not on court record and it was not in a courtroom. No, sir. It was um, in a room off there. Room off there, okay. And. Did it strike you funny when Judge Mullen said we're going to change the caption and take Alex's name off?
5: I didn't know that happened until you just told me.
4: Well, you said there was a discussion in front of. Uh, not clerk. about
5: taking the caption off. The only discussion we had was he claimed or he told Judge Mullen that he would, that Alex's attorneys would appreciate or would not want her to file the order. At this time, I didn't know anything about a caption. Okay. They asked her. They did they say the reason it the written, because of the the, manner, the, the, the written, recent boating accident. The recent yes. bodine, and he was being sued. Yeah. Well, I didn't know about being sued, but she just said the publicity <laughs> over the recent boating accident.
4: And that's why she said, "I'm going to sign the order, don't, but don't file it." Yes, it wasn't filed. Okay. She said, "Don't file." it.
5: Corey asked if it couldn't would. I'm going to file this later. I don't remember the judge saying don't file it, but Corey said we want to file this later.
4: Well, we're not going to. F- oh, it I don't know filed. how it all works. Okay, yeah. it was never filed. Okay, it and was. So under- she told, he told her, we're not going to file it because of the publicity over the boating accident, and she said, okay, yes, okay, and then signed the order. She signed something. I cannot
5: say that was the exact. she signed but i was in there when she agreed to it okay
0: the documents with judge mullen's signature were never filed with the court a huge violation of protocol in place for a reason to prevent corruption and fraud after chad westendorf's deposition eric bland told us that he knew he had to immediately send the transcript to the south carolina bar because of what was said about both carmen mullen and corey fleming
2: look here is a testimony that was provided under oath by Chad Wessendorf, which implicates the propriety of the actions of Judge Mullen. Now, I'm not the arbiter of that. I'm not the one that decides whether she did right or wrong. But I'm duty-bound to turn this over to the ODC, the Office of Disciplinary Counsel, when lawyers violate the rules of professional conduct. We are duty-bound. If, if we have knowledge, it's not, it's not for me to decide whether they violate the rules or not. But if I'm on notice that something is violative of the rules, I turn it over to ODC.
0: Eric Bland reported Mullen's role in the Satterfield heist to the South Carolina Supreme Court's Commission on Judicial Conduct. And Eric is not the only one who reported Mullen to the ODC. Solicitor David Pasco of the First Judicial Circuit, who is considering a run for the South Carolina Attorney General's Office, also filed a complaint.
2: David Pasco, who has his own separate history with Judge Mullen, found out about it because I did talk about it. With Jim Griffin, I talked about it to the receiver, and I talked about it to Mark Tinsley, who uh, certainly was mentioned as the reason for not having the order signed. And so somehow it got back to David Pascoe, who called me on the phone, by the way.
0: Pasco, who has a history of fighting public corruption in South Carolina, had previously filed a complaint against Mullen, accusing her of improper solicitation of ex parte communications, recording phone calls between parties without obtaining consent, undisclosed conflicts of interest, lack of professional competence, and staff members posting critical comments about pending judicial matters on social media. He called the current accusations, an unremitting power of improper activity that merits close examination by the commission.
2: And after he read that transcript, he filed a grievance against Judge Mullen, where he said she certainly violated the integrity of the justice system by agreeing to change a caption and keep an order from being filed that was signed in order to protect Alex Murdoch, in a case that she had already recused herself in. You know, the recusal in the Mallory Beach case didn't say that she could never hear a case involving Alex Murdoch. It just said, I'm not going to hear anything in the Mallory Beach case. Judge Buckner signed that as well, the same order. But what she did appear to have done, if you believe Chad Westendorf, is in an unrelated case, she was willing to do something to benefit a party in a case that she recused herself. So that was the first basis, for first grievance. The second basis was just a basic matter of competency, that she is not competent, that no judge should sit as a circuit court judge if they're gonna entertain a settlement conference without a pending motion, a proper caption, and then agree to sign an order and not have it filed. Just those three basic things go to her competency to be a judge. So that's what he did, he filed it. So what's the product of this? What, what's going to happen? Well, I don't know. I would think, based on what's happening, there will be some investigation, whether it's by ODC or the Judicial Committee, because of journalists like you two are not gonna let this go. They're gonna want an answer from somebody, was this addressed? So the question's then gonna become, what does Judge Mullen say? Does she say, yep, that's exactly how it happened, the same way Mr. Westendorf said. Or is she going to say, no, that's not how it happened. That's not how it happened at all. She could say, I told Corey to go file this order after I signed it. The wild card here, the wild card is Corey Fleming.
0: We will be talking more about Corey and what he did wrong in a future episode and we plan to take a deeper look at some of the information that Chad revealed about Corey in the deposition. In South Carolina, judges are appointed by lawmakers and not the general public. Because of this, judges must lobby and campaign for themselves at the state house. Many people have compared this process to rushing a fraternity. What this means though, is that politically connected lawyers basically get to choose and then control who our judges are in this state. So Eric Bland was not just going up against a judge, but an entire system when he reported Mullen to the ODC. We asked Eric as an attorney whose livelihood literally depends on judges, whether he was worried about backlash.
2: Nope um i'm in the fourth quarter of my career had i been in the first quarter of my career it definitely would be scary but not not now there's there's this is such a bellwether case so important on so many different levels about the justice system whether there's two systems of justice does the ordinary person have the same system as those that are wealthy or those that are have relationships with judges or important lawyers So many things have to be answered here. So many things have to be changed here. So at this point, the answer is no. I don't have fear. Um, Look, are judges going to look at me differently when I walk into their courtroom? Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. They're going to be on their P's and Q's. Hey, can't joke in front of Eric Land. Are they going to let me come back in their chambers? Some will. Some won't. Is everything going to be on the record? Sure. Will it hurt my clients? On issues of discretion for a judge to make a ruling, it could. It could. But this, to me, was so important. I take my oath. You know, our profession has been so bruised way before this Murdoch case has been bruised. The butt of every joke. I hate lawyer jokes. Never tell them, and I won't tolerate them if somebody wants to tell them in my, in my press. But since this Murdoch case and and all the different machinations that have happened here, you know, our, our profession has really taken a punch, a hard punch. You know, if lawyers like Mark Tinsley, lawyers like John Lay, lawyers like my partner and me, Justin Bamberg, if we stand up in solidarity and don't tolerate this thing, maybe, maybe we'll change. And by the way, the old guard judiciary is changing.
0: We will talk more about the
3: problem with judges in South Carolina in a later episode. Not that we want to give you guys homework, but we highly recommend that you read a 2019 project by ProPublica in coordination with the Charleston Post and Courier called South Carolina, the state where judges rule themselves in secret. It's pretty appalling and absolutely absurd to think we're all okay with this. In this state, since 1997, when the Commission on Judicial Conduct was created, there have been more than 1,000 ethics complaints filed against judges. Out of those 1,000 complaints, here's how many judges were punished. Zero. That means a 1,000 people out there were wrong? Not likely. The Murdoch Murders podcast is created by me, Mandy Matney,
0: and my fiance, David Moses. Our executive editor is Liz Farrell.
4: Produced by Luna Shark Productions.
1: (coughs) You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store, but did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling. Everywhere, online, in store, on social media, and beyond. <coughs> Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/crimes. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/crimes to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com/crimes.